Greetings fellow wanderers in the fourth dimension, this is the greatest show in the galaxy and we're off to all the fun of the frost fair with thin ice. How are you doing Emma? I'm good, I brought my specially chosen tea drinking clothes just for today. Good oh, <laughs> it's what we like to hear. Yeah. So, um, we've faced the raven and now let's uh, take a walk on the frozen river Thames, shall we? Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you know what, this is more like it. Mm. I thought this was a great episode. Yeah. It's it's strange because this is like more like the the pace of story that we used to with yeah. Doctor Who, and it's sort of I mean like not saying that the pilot and smile were bad, but no. it's just, but when you sort of look at Thin Ice in comparison to those two, it's sort of like okay, the, the it's almost like early installment weirdness, strangely enough. But um, yeah, but this is sort of like um, got cracking fairly recently, and it's one of those like rare occasions where. Like the end of the previous episode, sort of like carries through to the start of this one. Yeah, that was something they pointed out. Yeah, so it's not a, something we like seen for a good. I mean, I know they used to like do it a bit in the Peter Davison years, you know, as mm. uh, like a throwback to the the original like William Hartnell, Patrick Troughton years. Um, so uh, it's it's been quite a while. So it was like a, it was nice to change of pace. I thought. Yeah. Yeah, um, I thought it was a it was a great idea as well, and to get you sort of excited about next episode as well, because mm. I mean, I mean, again, we're talking. I think I've got a feeling we're going to probably be bringing this up every week, or at least I am. Yeah. This whole idea of this being this series being somewhat of a soft reboot. Mm. Um, that this whole idea of like, look at this. Tune in next week for the next exciting installment of Doctor Who. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm I'm all I'm really into it, especially if it's got more extremely good CGI <laughs> elephants, which mm. I thought was actually a, a pretty good effect, actually. Um, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was really decent, and what an interesting setting as well. Uh, mm. I mean, we talked about this in our season uh, ten hype show. Yeah. Um, about the Regency being a pretty under underutilized historical mm. period and uh yeah the the 1814 ice uh, frost fair um as i understand it uh pretty much the last one because the major frosts that happened didn't didn't really happen anymore after it well not enough to freeze the thames solid mm -hmm. um there's a bit of a history with the frost fairs if you're you know um again it's not something that uh comes up a lot these days but um yeah. back in back between the 17th and 19th centuries there was this period called the little ice age Mm. when Britain and most of Europe experienced extremely harsh winters and the Thames flows differently than it does now. It, it doesn't flow. It didn't flow as fast because of uh, an old bridge that was there. Mm -hmm. So the Thames flowed slowly enough that, and it was cold enough that the, the actual whole Thames froze. I think the worst one, or the, in the worst um, frost, it actually froze to a depth of 11 inches, Ooh. which is pretty considerable. And so it was good enough that people could have whole big fairs on it mm. and uh, that's where we are today and um, a nice bit of continuity as well because we've had uh, mentioned that the doctor took river to the 1814 ice fair before <laughs> yeah so it's just as well we didn't bump into himself walking around yeah <laughs> that would have been weird <laughs> trying yeah, to explain it that one <laughs> must have been a different day mm. um it's yeah, like so... literally the day before <laughs> yeah so the well, day after because then they blew it up yeah. um yeah so i thought that was a really cool little bit of continuity for people who've been sort of uh 
uh, been paying attention because I mm. think that I sort of wondered why they didn't set this in 1816, which um, for people who you know know their history a little bit, um, 1816 was called the year without summer because that was the year that Krakatoa went up. Yeah. So all that uh, ash and stuff went into the atmosphere. Um, crops failed, and and it basically, infamously, if you look at like art and literature from that time i mean most famous example being that mary shelley's honeymoon got rained out mm. so she stayed in and wrote frankenstein huh. um so yeah that's you know there's like there's paintings and stuff and people now they sort of understand what the atmosphere was happening and how krakatoa influenced it like they the skyscapes of some of these famous paintings that mm -hmm. are different because of the the way that the the weather had changed so anyway this is a side note so yeah. i was wondering why they didn't set in 1816 because that's the sort of notoriously cold one. But apparently it wasn't a frost fair in 1816. This was the last one, mm -hmm. so I can shut my mouth. Um, <laughs> so they stuck it here. And um, I think what I really want to talk about first is, um, I mean, not just at the beginning, but all the way through this episode, the way that we talked about diversity mm. and representation in this episode, because I thought that was really important and really awesome. Yeah. I mean, it also makes sense because at the time, yeah, okay, um, there were the people didn't really own slaves back in the day but you know obviously like london and like the port cities you know there were a lot of ships coming in people would like having children so it was a lot more mixed i mean a lot of people sort of like say oh you know it's 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 like weirdly diverse but when you think about it the sort of like um television that we see that would be set in this sort of period normally we saw like jane austens and stuff so it's like out in the yeah. country so you know it's like whiter than white yeah, you know, folks. But here, I mean, Stephen Moffat said that presenting a racially diverse Regency London was bending history slightly, but in a progressive and useful way. But what's interesting to note is that all the non-Caucasian actors and extras that are work, uh, working people, like the fish pie vendor or the street urchins. So that would have been like realistic for the time period. Yeah. And all like the, Absolutely. you know, like the, you know, the upper class people are all white. Obviously, we've got our soul of the week. I forget his name, but yes. I just getting called Arsenal of the Week for this episode. Oh yeah, well I mean that's that's pretty acceptable. Oh no, Sutcliffe apparently. <laughs> I mean it, it sort of gets overlooked while the doctor's lamping him into next week, <laughs> which uh, it, it, which brought up a cheer from uh, from the Foster family. Let's put mm. it that way. Um, yeah, I think that although you know this is tea time and we need some sort of you know the 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 language that's being used is pretty PG compared to probably what was being said in those days. Mm. Um, I think that they tackled his racism in, you know, a really, a, well, I'm going to say, I mean, there's a limit to, like I say, there's a limit to what he'd actually talk, say to Bill, but mm. I think that they were sort of clever and, you know, made it extremely apparent of his, uh, of his um, attitude without sort of reverting to um, unpleasant language mm -hmm. and made it very clear for everyone at home about you know what a what a cock end this bloke is yeah um and you know and bill's reaction as well which was great i mean i like that they sort of they i mean we've had this before when martha went to elizabethan england when mm -hmm. we were in the shakespeare code and it sort of just it sort of gets mentioned once and then that's it um but this i think that it was good that they kind of mentioned it up front and then addressed it throughout the show mm -hmm. Which I thought was, which was, I thought it was absolutely, it was necessary of them. And I, I hate to say brave, but compared to, like I say, I know that Sue Moffat's saying, that, you know, they took a bit of liber liberties with showing, you know, a, a diverse range of people um, mm -hmm. 
I think it was terribly important. Yeah. And, you know, I was going to say, I don't, I don't really want to use the word brave because I think everything should do this. But, um, yeah, definitely compared to a lot of BBC productions and a lot of other productions. I mean, like you say, these sort of Regency things, it's usually insanely white. But mm-hmm. um, And as well, I mean, it's sort of difficult. Not difficult, but, I mean, obviously, me and you being cis het white people yeah. um you know I, I don't really want to come across as saying you know the terribly good show doctor who you know look <laughs> we're not racist or this sort of thing but yeah it's um it was extremely important and necessary and mm-hmm. um hilariously <laughs> someone pointed out because you, you get five minute breakdowns of the ratings mm-hmm. and after <laughs> the doctor made that comment about you know uh, bill saying you know it's a lot History's a lot more black than I realised, and Doctor mm-hmm. said so was Jesus, but history's a whitewash. Yeah. Um. He, apparently, the ratings, the the viewing figures went down about four hundred thousand. <laughs> so there. <laughs> he was from the Middle East. Yeah, I know. I was going to say he was brown. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> oh no! I mean, I don't. I'm sure it wasn't people turning off in disgust. Yeah. It was just probably a you know a a bit of um ratings kind of gobbledygook i don't think it you know just someone pointed it out and i thought it was pretty funny but uh mm. there you go mm. so yeah i'm i did i'll say i mean um the main um the main obviously this whole gets wrapped into this whole theme of we have another companion dealing with the doctor's moral standpoint which is our main thrust of this episode really mm. so what did you make of it um because i thought it was quite an interesting approach again yeah, um, it's 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 strange. It's it's very sort of like Donna-ish how Bill sort of like when when she like calls him out on effectively letting the little street urchin die, and he's 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 even more like concerned about saving a sonic screwdriver. Yeah, you know, um, when she point blank asks him, "Has he killed somebody?" and he tries to sort of like, he, I don't want to say like we'll weasel sort of prevaricate out. a bit, yeah. yeah. And, you know, she just goes, not what I asked. And then he's like, tries it again. And she goes, no, that's not what I asked. And then he just goes, yeah. Um, but, but then he sort of like, just like puts it, he puts his cards on the table, you know, if, if I don't move on, more people will die, you know, because I've, I'm 2000 years old. And I've never had the time for the luxury of outrage. And although I think there was a, an Australian fan show that played that clip and then did just like a super cut of all the times the doctor's been outraged yeah. <laughs> and then it gets followed up with you know the doctor punching out Sutcliffe so you know um but I I did like I mean we've got to say it again Pearl Mackey's just absolutely smashing it oh yeah she's been great because it's not just uh, like her upset and anger at the doctor's sort of like callousness it's also the disgust yeah that's what really sort of nails it she, I mean, yeah. if this was sort of like after the watershed, she'd be going, what the absolute fuck, man? You know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think, I mean, as well, you've and what happens is that you have the the kind of the journey, the sort of quite fast journey she goes on from being in this position to kind mm-hmm. of going, okay, I'm, I'm going to kind of stick with him. But the doctor kind of puts her in a position that she's going to have to kind of stick or twist at this point. Yeah. When he says, I'm the human race's servant, give me an order. Mm. Um, really, he doesn't have to do that. But he's putting, no. her in, he's putting her in his shoes and saying, look, these are the decisions I have to make. 
So you make it and see how you like it, essentially. <laughs> so yeah. in a way, he's making her complicit with this whole, this kind of different morality that he's operating in. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, ob- you have this thing of, you know, that she in a, she indirectly causes Sutcliffe to be killed. But he to be honest, it. he's such a... He, well, I mean, that's it. Because he's such a cartoonishly idiotic yeah. racist piece of shit it's kind of not even a choice yeah (laughs) but obviously if we're if we're going to be in an if we end up in an episode where things are much Mm grayer i wonder where she's going to end up going because obviously we've seen kind of the i mean you're talking about face the raven Mm -hmm. we've seen kind of the 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 extreme that that can go to yeah that this whole this whole different morality takes over and you end up being like clara essentially killing herself um, by accident because she thinks she knows better now, essentially. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting that this was brought to us by the person who wrote that episode. Yeah. In a way, it's kind of makes me remember, like, Kill the Moon. Um, Yeah. But in this case, you know, the Doctor's still making Bill choose, but he's the one who's actually going to, like, press the lever, as it were. Whereas yeah. it's, it's, it's it feels like he's he's kind of like learned from the mistake he made back in Kill the Moon, where he just basically buggered off and left Clara and you know the other humans present to make the decision, and then when they ended up making the right decision, but sort of feeling like they hadn't, and then he sort of pops up at the end. He goes, "Hey, there you go. Well done." You know, you, you don't blame Clara for being mad at him, but you know here, if it like feels like he's learned from that, you know. Mm. Indeed, yeah, um, but I mean, you can sort of, you can definitely see it as um, pretty devious on the doctor's doctor's side mm. to to put her in that in that court. I mean, I wonder what he would have done if she said leave her. Mm. You know, I mean, obviously we're never going to know that, no. but um, it's an interesting thought experiment to wonder if she said leave the fish. Mm-hmm you know, make sure no, you know, sort of save the people above. Um, I wonder what would have happened, but there you go. That's a thought experiment for another day. Mm-hmm. Um, I quite liked the fact that they didn't bother to explain where the fish came from. Yeah. And it's like, although it's pretty alien, you know, it's not explicitly said that it's alien. You know, this could just be yeah. a giant Leviathan creature that just happened to live like, you know, it could have been around for like millennia and it just so happened to end up in the Thames. Yeah. I mean, Sutcliffe sort of says that it's been there essentially forever mm-hmm. as far back as records go. Um, so yeah, it's definitely conceivable. Like you say, it's not necessarily alien. It's um, kind of some great prehistoric yeah. beast that's been kind of left behind and is extremely aged. Um, just don't ask how we chained it down there. Yeah. Hand wave. Um, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. But I mean, I quite like that they just went. You know, don't matter. It's yeah. not the point of the story. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, also, so like, I, I, I know it's like has its little sort of like anglerfish that it sends out to like lure people into the depths. But mm-hmm. I, I've seen this video on Tumblr about it's sort of like a comedy <laughs> sort of video about the the anglerfish. And it's like reproductive. So it's got this like faux sort of um, Morgan Freeman style voiceover. 
and right. you know obviously because obviously if you know like the, how the female anglerfish reproduces it basically gets males you know tiny little males to like latch onto her and then they dissolve into mm-hmm. basically a pair of testicles that hang off her and you know produce sperm when she needs them so yes. you've got this video right and um <laughs> It's explaining this sort of reproductive cycle, and there's always this bit that always cracks me up and says, uh, To the female anglerfish, the human males are very loud, annoying, and unnecessarily complicated pair of gonads. <laughs> and that, that sort of, every time I've seen that video, and now that watching Thin Eyes, I can't not think of that. <laughs> oh, you've ruined yourself. This is what uh, yeah. you get for going on Tumblr. Yeah. Well, you know. Uh, so, um, I, I mean, you're talking about things that crack you up. I mean, I did kind of snort laugh at the the infiltration of the um production center and of course the classic thing of the companion sort of picking something up and yeah that's a big pile of shit you got there bill yep <laughs> what i what i liked um was when they were getting the format just like just basically spill his guts <laughs> um it's just it's just absolutely pitch perfect. The doctor's just like playing up to this guy, and you you know it's like well you know it's not for me to say, but but if you have to say, you know it's uh, yeah yeah it's... I I love sneaky doctor. Um, mm-hmm. I mean that's that's perfect doctor stuff. That really is. I mean we t- I mean we've talked a bit a bit before about how influential the seventh Doctor's era really turned out to be, mm-hmm. and this is pure straight up seventh Doctor stuff. Yeah, this just let the guy talk and ask him the right questions and you know there's no punching needs to be involved the guy will just tell you everything you need to know Mm -hmm. and what i like is like the the, the doctor tells like the overseer like if he keeps on the way he has he won't be working there much longer he thinks he thinks it's like it's like he's getting put in line for promotion um it really it's like the doctor you know is getting everything he needs to shut it all down but I always like had a read of it. It's like, you know, what if Sutcliffe finds out that this guy's been spilling the beans? He's going to get disposed of. Yeah, someone's going to end up in the fish. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I love. I mean, I absolutely love that stuff. I mean, we we talk constantly about how much we love Peter Capaldi. But I just, mm. I know there's a lot of people who still haven't really taken to his Doctor and things like this. But I just, I don't understand how when you just watch that little clip and. I mean, that's not even as good as something else that happens in this episode we'll talk about in a second. But, mm-hmm. yeah, just watch him do his thing on this guy. It's just so great. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. um, I mean, we we can't really let this moment pass without talking about his brilliant little speech to Sutcliffe. Um, yeah. About the value of lives up and down sort of the, the class system and all this sort of thing. I, I really loved that. I thought mm-hmm. it was a great piece of... A great piece of work by uh, Sarah Dollard to have this coming out of um, Peter Capaldi's mouth. It's just perfect stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think what really sort of like nails it is um, when Sutcliffe goes like, you know, oh, that was a really lovely speech and, you know, it's enough to move anyone with an ounce of compassion. And he just like pauses and goes, really not your day then, is it? Just yeah. like, just even like, like we don't need like this guy being a piece of shit to like cement it even more. But here we go. <laughs> yep. I mean, I mean, he was sort of cartoonishly a piece of shit, which, yeah. like I say again, it kind of makes any sort of moral moral qualms about this dude kind of go away quite easily. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, sort of the way this episode's paced, you can't really do that much more. No, can you? That's true. Again, I mean, again, it's it, uh, sort of our third episode in a row where the story is kind of well, the 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 movement of the plot is kind of secondary to mm-hmm. the Doctor and Bill 
sort of not feeling each other out, but the Bill's sort of progression down the companion timeline. Because mm-hmm. um, now we're in, um, we're past the moral hump about yeah. the Doctor's, uh, the Doctor's kind of uh, code, mm-hmm. um, which obviously we've seen, like you say, I think the most apt comparison to what Bill went through this episode is is Donna. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think uh, it's it's really interesting and quite brave that these three episodes have kind of said no, we're slowing everything down. You've seen mm-hmm. not that you've seen these episodes, but you understand where this is going to go. Yeah, essentially, you know that the Doctor's going to win at the end. So we're just gonna we're just gonna be sim- have a simple story, and we're just gonna ha- be about the Doctor and Bill for a good solid twenty twenty five minutes of this. Mm-hmm. And because you've got a great companion in Pearl Mackey. It's working really well so far. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's 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 almost a shame that there's a very likely chance that she'll be gone at the end of the series as well, along mm. with Capaldi and Moffat. Because it's it's sort of like, I, I you know, I I don't want to shit on Jenna Coleman because I think I think she was no. perfectly fine, but I kind of wish we had Bill a bit sooner. Yeah, I mean, obviously opportunities come and go as they please mm-hmm. but i mean we've we've talked about how the mate i mean because i i sort of went back and had a quick listen to when we talked about uh season nine as a whole mm-hmm. and yeah i mean we we've talked about it but i think it bears restating that i think jenna coleman changing her mind essentially and saying i want to come back mm-hmm. really through through the production out quite a bit mm. And I mean, because we, me, you, and everyone else thought that Clara's story had sort of reached, had reached where it needed to go, essentially. Yeah. And I mean, there's not that doesn't necessarily say that we missed out of a year of Pearl Mackey because Jenna. No. I mean, she was waiting in the wings because Jenna Coleman was kind of you know staying staying there unwanted. I think that I just think that the the production staff had sort of everyone had made assumptions about you know this is where she's sort of done now Mm -hmm. and yeah um keeping her on for another year sort of hamstrung her a little bit in terms of writing a convincing out for her and unfortunately for the fans who are watching Mm -hmm. i think that clara went from somewhere from good to middling Mm -hmm. from to middling to bad yeah i mean i think her i mean companion legacy if you like Mm -hmm. is always going to be she was here a year too long Mm -hmm. i mean because yeah it's um you you like to think that you you know we would have got Pearl Mackey a year earlier would have had all these awesome stories and yeah you know but um, yeah I agree with you it's on the base on based on these three episodes that we've had so far mm-hmm. I think it's going to be you know and the fact that it feels inevitable that it's going to be a complete change of personnel yeah. I would be extremely surprised if she stays on for another year mm-hmm. um, but you know stranger things have happened. Um, okay. They they might say you know she's been great everyone loves her it's it's good to have a character that everyone knows to bridge to bridge to a new doctor they have done that before mm-hmm. so yeah um, but you know also gotta give a shout out to Pete we barely knew you <laughs> yeah that was so funny yeah um, yeah it's gonna be I I can foresee a few Pete T-shirts or something like that, or <laughs> someone's going to, some, someone at Big Finish is going to write a Pete story or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just have to say, it's it's strange, like, when you mentioned Martha, it, it struck me that how Bill, 
ask like mention the butterfly effect and also Bill's qualms about potential like the the racism inherent in that timeline society is very sort of like Shakespeare code but here they actually take the time to sort of address it whereas like yeah. in the Shakespeare codes the tenth doctor should I go ah don't worry about it it's fine you know yeah yeah I just I don't know I mean I think again uh, again I mean. This is this is a show made by predominantly white people, mm-hmm. and I, I do wonder if there was a sort of a feeling of we don't want to address it because we don't want to get it wrong in a way. Mm. It's sort of obviously just sort of going, oh, it doesn't matter. Yeah, they can just sort of go, okay, well, we're just going to park that over there and not kind of bring it up, mm-hmm. and then we end up. I mean, because I'm sure I'm, I reckon the feeling was probably we're going to have to spend a whole episode on this if we go mm. if we sort of go down that road. So we just want to kind of go, okay. Not, there, there were more black people in Elizabethan England than you thought there were, so we'll just leave it there. Yeah. Whereas, I mean, the, I I really like that they sort of went out of their way to address it and talk about it for more than thirty seconds in mm-hmm. this one. Yeah, yeah. I just thought it was like it was. Well, no, I wouldn't say callback necessarily. I don't think that was, that's mm-hmm. the right term. It's amazing, like how reminiscent of like Shakespeare code it was, but at least here they went a little bit further to actually do something with it. You know? Yeah, I thought it was really good, mm-hmm. um, and like like really necessary as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, it's. I think it's going to be the the factor of this episode that gets remembered much longer than anything else this episode does again it's yeah. this kind of this bravery that i think being a long a long running show brings you that you can you can just park the story elsewhere for mm-hmm. for a little while and and go and explore these other facets yeah. of um british history if nothing else mm-hmm. uh, i mean as well i've been talking about martha as well i mean if you look at something like the family of blood yeah uh, where she gets some horrible abuse off the shit bags in the school. Yeah. Um, again, they didn't really address that very much either. So. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I see what you mean. Like, obviously that was, you know, that was only its third year. So we're now on to, yeah. well, well, it's the, it's the 10th series, but the show's been back since what? 12 years nearly now. It's got to be yeah. more than that now. So. Well, 2005, isn't it? So. Yeah. Yeah. 12 years. So obviously, and, and I think, also, it might just be a case of, you know, it's Moffat's last year, so I don't know, you know, maybe he's like the, I don't want to say the gloves are off necessarily, but, you know, it's it's the you more of a sense. He's, you get feel he's empowered to make yeah. sort of slightly different decisions that maybe he would have, he would have felt comfortable making a few years ago, maybe. Mm, when he was first, like, first, like, starting out as the showrunner. Yeah. Yeah. Um, something else I want to bring up is the uh, another kind of nod to the human race's ability to forget extremely important things. <laughs> I, I again, I, I, they sort of they've given it kind of lip service before, but I like that you have you sort of have a look at Bill googling things and yeah. trying to find out, <laughs> <laughs> trying to trying to see about an enormous fish escaping down the Thames, and of course, yeah, uh, there's nothing find nothing doing in there. So yeah, yeah I did yeah. like that. Yeah, what, what I did like though is when you know the doctor also like points out there was a lot of day drinking at the time. So yes, I did like that. <laughs> it's like, it's like it's not it's not just a case of like oh you know people just forgot. It's like no, they were probably off the faces at the time. So chances yeah, okay. are. Well, I was going to say, if there's anything which the British people are known for, it's our capacity to day drink. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, I did like that. I thought that was fun. Yep. I've, I've been in too many airports at uh, four in the morning, so, you know. Oh, my God. I can't do that. You know what? I <laughs> I, I think I've somewhat developed a bit of reputation as a bit of a lush, but uh, even I can't do I can't do it. It makes me heave. There's, look, there's a decent time to start drinking, and that time is nine o'clock in the morning, not at seven. That's awful. <laughs> I'm talking like three or four in the morning, though. Yeah. Were they start? But they were probably carrying on from the previous night, weren't they? Um, I can't, I, I'm not one of those people who can get to the airport and just have a pint. I don't at, know. At seven, I can't do it. <laughs> now, well, mind you, though, the amount of times I've been in the pub for breakfast and there's people on their third pint already. Mm. 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 Not classy. Start at nine. That's yeah. <laughs> that's my that's my time to start. It's nine o'clock. <laughs> that's when I started on, on New Year's Eve, the Millennium one. Oh yeah. I started at nine in the morning on Millennium, but I thought that it's a once in a lifetime, isn't it? Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's oh, definitely yeah. best if I don't remember any of it after two o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> you, don't, you don't know if you can like wake up the next morning and your computer won't work. It's like, oh, shit. That's right. Better be shit-faced. <laughs> yeah. At least you won't care. <laughs> yeah, I definitely won't care. Anyway. <laughs> I miss drinking. Anyway. Yeah, so um, we should um, we should talk a little bit about Nardo as well. Hmm. Um... Who's just basically the person who yells at the doctor at the moment? Yeah, I. I mean, I did like the bit where he's like at the end where he's like like grousing about being conned by the doctor. Like, you know, leave me alone. She leave me alone. I didn't ask to be reassembled. But when he's like back in the office, I mean, I did like the bit where he's like brings them tea with a bit of coffee and to give it some flavour. That's outrageous. <laughs> uh, do you know when I when I was watching that, I just I couldn't help but. When it got to that bit, I couldn't help but think of you and just like just like, throwing something at television. No, don't yeah. fucking do that. Don't fuck with tea in that way, mate. <laughs> like coffee, like tea. Never the twain shall meet. Me, yeah. Chuck has bit. Chuck has confessed to me before he's had the cough tea, <laughs> and um, I was like, I might have to look into some divorce lawyer. Anyway, <laughs> but um, um. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's it was quite interesting that they've sort of put him in this role of kind of being this grumpy mum character mm. at the moment. Yeah, the the problem I have with the here though is I don't know. It seems well, especially with the bit when they're in the office. I don't know whether it was just the way Matt Lucas was written, but it just seemed a little bit more whiny though. At least sort right. of like in Smile, he was a bit more like firm about it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Now it's getting a bit bitchy. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I can understand, you know, because, yeah. you know, the doctor's basically lied to his face. Um, but it's just sort of, I don't, I don't know. I just don't think it's, I, I kind of like, it's, I, I don't want, I hope like Nardal isn't like relegated to this sort of like, satellite role for the rest of the series though. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's going to get very repetitive very quickly. Yeah, just, you don't want him to. You don't want to have Matt Lucas and have him be in the last two minutes of every episode, just bitching at the Doctor, and then that's it. That's all you see of him. Yeah, because then it's what, what's the point of having them then? Yeah, exactly. I think we need to get him on an adventure kind of soon. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm look, looking at the trailer for next week. I don't think it's going to be. It might not be next week, but hopefully the week after. Yeah. Um, we're going to have some Nardo action rather than just him bringing tea and grousing at the Doctor. Although, yeah. mind you, I'm sure me and ev- the whole nation, were, or everyone who was watching, was watching the the door with interest um, mm. because I'm sure uh, everyone else was waiting for a 
knock. Yeah. Um, he, he did sort of but, get it at the end. So, oh, sort of. The end, stretching it a bit, stretching yeah. it a bit. Yeah, I think it was like definitely it's like the three knocks, and you just like got the first of the three again, and then it cut to the title. So you just, I think, I think that might. I don't know. We might we might still be the master inside there, but I don't know whether that was just like a little bit of a bit of a cheeky sort of like sleight of hand to like get people. Like, oh, could it be? Mm, yeah. I mean, I mean, you if if they'd gone down the four knocks route, I mean that would have been game yeah. over and problem solved. Mm-hmm. Um for uh for the whole rest of the season so obviously they can't go uh they can't go down that road really yeah. um i mean obviously this uh this is sort of getting more and more intriguing as time goes on so mm-hmm. yeah I, I, um, i'm still wondering whether this is going to get paid off a little bit sooner than we expect though yeah you know yeah. um because i mean obviously there's there's usually there's always like the the big sort of series long arc i'm just wondering whether like moffat might switch it up a little bit yeah, maybe. Maybe. I mean, um, one complaint that I remember was quite persistent, especially in the the kind of the Who is River Song arc a few mm-hmm. years ago, is that they sort of felt the need to kind of keep reminding you that this was a thing that was happening. Like you kept having those little bits, little stings after the episode was finished. Yeah. Um, and so I hope that the door isn't, again, kind of renegated to this role of like, oh, don't forget about this. It's like the last 90 seconds of every episode. Mm. Um, I mean, we I'm sure that everyone remembers it's good, it's there. So, um, yeah. You don't. You kind of don't need to keep, kind of stapling a bit about it, at the end of every episode. Mm. I don't think we'll see it in Mary's next episode, though. That's. Well, that I, mean, I hope, so. I hope like, so. Yeah. I hope so. I hope that they sort of um, they they're okay with kind of putting it on the the back burner. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, is there anything else you wanted to mention about Thin Ice, or should we get on with the scores? Uh, let's score it, shall we? All right. Um, hmm. I mean. Like I say, it's definitely definitely a good change of pace. Um, I think it's, for me, I think it's probably a seven. Okay. Um, I did enjoy it, but I, I don't know. It, it's it's enjoyable, but I don't know what it. It seems to be like missing something. I don't know whether it's just because we've had like the slower pace of the previous two episodes, and now it's gone back to like the like like normal service. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, now now we've had this little sort of mini arc mm-hmm. of of kind of getting to know you episodes, if you like. Yeah, are we gonna sort of go back to kind of normal pace? Because, like I say, I mean, I feel like the like the episodes one through three, mm-hmm. we've had kind of the the story has kind of been secondary to the Bill and Doctor experience, yeah. which has been nice, but yeah. you can't get away with that for every episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think it's evident, but it was definitely a very solid episode. I enjoyed it. Yeah, um, I'm gonna go ahead and give it an eight. Actually, um, for me, it was kind of it was it was a, it was a step up from from Smile, which, like mm. I say, I mean, I did like, but had was a bit basic. But this, although again, a fairly straightforward story in of itself, I think the character stuff and the, hum- the hu- sort of humorous bits mm-hmm. and um, the setting and you know the costuming and the and the the effects I thought were really great this week. So yeah, yeah I'm going to go up for an eight. I think that's fine. So if you have any thoughts about Thin Ice, you can send them to us at our regular email address, greatestshow at simplysyndicated.com, to our Twitter account at greatestshowpod, and our Facebook page, facebook.com/greatestshowpodcast. Whilst you're listening to us, feel free to check out our sister shows on the network: Simply Syndicated Movie News, Atomic Trivia War 9000. 
Masters of None, Do Ask Do Tell, Bat Channel 66, Here Goes Nothing, Take It or Leave It, The Seventh Chevron, The Little Pot of Horrors, Queer Studies, Ray Guns and Go-Go Boots, Nerd Hurdles, Making Sense with Richard Smith, The Greatest Events in Sporting History, For Those About to Rock, Dangerously Unprepared, and Starbase 66. As always, we welcome your support, and the best way you can help us out is by subscribing to Simply Everything. For a monthly fee of just £6, you can enjoy a library of podcasts from the archives of Simply Syndicated, as well as episodes of the exclusive to Simply Everything shows Shaken Not Stirred, and the Remote Patrol spin-offs Oh Boy and Trust No One. Simply Syndicated also runs a merchandise store offering apparel and accessories to both Europe and America. You can also support the network through a monthly pledge on Patreon, or you can donate to the network through paypal.me, of which links to both are on the bottom of the website. So with that being said, thank you very much Emma. Thank you Mike. And until next time, take care and bye bye.